Welcome to AI Home Podcast, the first podcast for real estate resources and independent living strategies for the disability community. Why? Because accessibility is home. Hi, I'm Angel Fox, blogger, author, and your host. Now, let's begin. All right. Thank you so much, Sandy, for joining us today. And I'm very excited to have you on board. You have reached out to me when I put a little Facebook post to say, Hey, women of the world. Who owns an accessible home? And you were kind enough to uh, respond. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and we could kind of discuss what accessibility you've done. I know it's been more than one house, so we could go into that. But do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to meeting uh, with you. This is Sandy, and I'm a quadriplegic, and so I've had a, a long history for 20 plus years of figuring it out on how to kind of rise my landscape in, in my life as a wheelchair user. Um, so I've had lots of ups and downs like most people and challenges to figure out and learned a lot of lessons along the way. So I'm happy to share about my experience with accessible homes and some not so accessible homes. You and I kind of talked earlier greatly about all the variations. So I was born with my disability, so I've always been in a wheelchair. I know you said came disabled very young as well and you briefly talked about uh, childhood homes so do you want to get into that and what you learned about the unaccessible part of it sure absolutely yeah i was injured uh, when i was 18 and so when that happened and i was coming home from the hospital i went back to my parents house and uh, it was not built to be accessible um, i had a room on the second floor and uh, my parents and with some help from the community uh, tried to do what we could to accommodate the house uh, for my new needs. And um, a little creative, we took the dining room space and put up a wall where it had been open between the dining room and living room, uh, added a door between the dining room and the kitchen to give me a little privacy. We had a half bath um, on the main floor that we bumped out into the garage put a, a roll-in shower there. Uh, luckily, the garage was only um, about a step up or so, so we put a, a ramp inside the garage that allowed me to turn ahead. Just tried to do as much as we could in this space, knowing that this was going to be a temporary space for me. I was embarking on my adult life at this point. Yeah. And you went on to the schooling, and how was that accessibility with that? I did. So from a living perspective... I went to USC in Columbia, South Carolina uh, for my undergraduate degree, and it was, they actually did a really nice job. They had a lot of things that were accessible. Probably not perfect, but they had modified some dorm rooms, and so I had a nice space where I actually did have a roll-in shower, which I know might be the case for a lot of people. So I really felt pretty grateful for the amenities that we had there. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to college, you started your career. And then what was the housing situation after that? Absolutely. So when, when I finished school, I started looking for a job. And even actually while I was in school, eventually I transitioned over into an apartment, which was a little bit less accessible. Mm-hmm. But when I graduated, I moved into a, an apartment where I was renting and it was supposed to be accessible. Uh-huh. They said, yeah, this is you're good to go. In fact, it even had a roll and shower. Uh, but I will tell you that 
I couldn't actually get into the roll-in shower because it was around a tight corner. Hair would not fit around the corner. It was the best laid plans kind of thing. I had to get creative there. Yeah. Uh, went home periodically for a real true shower, but otherwise did a lot of creative bathing as a lot of us do. From yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm a big proponent. I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, they often ask why I focus on disability home ownership because apartment living is a lot more sustainable as well as initially, but that's simply because there's a lot that the law does not require. There's very specific things in the Fair Housing Act, and they literally call them barrier-free accommodations, which, you know, I don't know, barrier-free is pretty an outdated term, right? And you have to pay for that. I think that's beyond that. You have to pay for it. And so I know when you and I talked, I talked about my wonderful experience with my first apartment going to law school and how it, the bathroom was accessible, but what about the kitchen? Yes. Anything that was lower countertops, but things that we kind of for granted that's kind of like a wall oven. Everybody likes a wall oven, happens to be accessible for wheelchair users. Um, even 10, 15 years ago when I had my first apartment, it was not accessible and being creative was definitely something that I had to experience for my own apartment. I remember you and I talking about that, but just just seeing what decade it is, it's still the same issue. Yes. Yeah, and when you're living in those circumstances, pretty shortly you start to look for, hey, how can I improve on this? Right. You know, what are my next steps? What can I do to make this better? Because I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. Or I can maybe not get into the laundry room. I had a galley kitchen in my first apartment. I couldn't turn around, so if I wanted to use the right side of the kitchen... I had to go in forward, I had to back out, and then back into it to use the other side of the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So you step back, you're like, there's got to be a better way. I brought up the whole economic, if you're going to have to pay for modifications for an apartment, in my view, why not put it into a home? But how did you make that decision? Because I know you started to look into an accessible home, correct? I, I did, and I started looking at all kinds of different things. Okay. Um, I, I realized that if I really wanted a space that I was going to be comfortable in, it's going to need to buy something and then either buy something and modify it yeah. or build something. Okay. Um, so I looked at a lot of existing homes. When you start to get into particularly a lot of the older homes, you have to deal with a lot of things that are um, not as universally friendly, a lot of long hallways or and very small doorways mm -hmm. in some of the spaces. 28, 28 inches. Yes. 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 So you start to think, okay, this is probably not feasible. So I looked at some like newer homes where I, have, I started looking at floor plans that had fewer hallways and trying to put some of those things into my criteria, okay. looking for things that I said they were like open design or started to look at, we had a number in the area I was living, we had a number of um, communities that were being built up at the time. They had those predetermined plans. It was like, you can pick from these five uh, floor plans. Okay. So I started to explore that. I thought this will be great because I can build it and make the modifications while it's being built. Right. And so it seemed fabulous at the time. And there was a butt coming, right? Yeah. But... <laughs> But, so the but was that with these predetermined plans where they're doing like large scale manufacturing, they're very rigid on what they will do to change that designated 
plan. If I ask them to do something as simple as widen a doorway and install an appropriate size door, say, oh, it's going to be an extra. And it was uh, quite an uptick in the cost. Okay. It quickly escalate, which made me feel like it was a lot less feasible. I wanted a comfortable space where I could actually use the kitchen and I could use the bathroom, the laundry room, and so mm-hmm. forth. The number of changes that I wanted to make or felt like I would need to make to be comfortable just made it impractical for my needs. Okay. Okay. So basically another way to think of it, like you could buy the basic plan, but if you want the pro plan, which is modifications, then now you're talking a much heftier price. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And they just weren't very open to the idea. I felt like they were, they had, they were like, this is our box. This is what we do really well. Yeah. We do not want to move outside of that box. Yeah. Right. It's almost like a liability concern to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate because uh, I do a lot of research and uh, there's actually research that says that for a wider doorway, if you include it in the construction, it's literally just a few dollars extra. Yes. It's yes. literally just a few dollars extra for the door and a few dollars extra for the additional drywall and framing. It's just that their own barrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like it was scary to them to think about, like, oh, I don't know what that means for me. I don't know what that means for my organization. Yeah. Um, so, so I continued my start. I was like, okay, I looked at a lot more um, existing homes that just, see, again, seemed like they needed a lot of modifications. Actually, I found a community that was a custom-build community. A couple of different contractors and architects, or contractors, I guess, really, who were working in that community. spoke with them, and I actually found one that uh, seemed pretty excited about the idea. He said, hey, he said, I haven't really done an accessible home before, but I'm really interested in doing this with you. Um, So we talked a little bit about it. He was able to direct me to some uh, designers, I'm not sure the right term, but that had floor plans out there that might be close, right? Like a lot of open plan design, different things like that we could start from. I started looking at tons and tons of different plans um, to just see, hey, what do I feel like has, I wanted a little extra space in my master bedroom so I could manage like my wheelchair and some of the other things, space for things. I wanted to make sure that I had limited hallways to navigate um, and a pretty open kitchen turn around in and all this you don't want to back it up <laughs> back, back it up right <laughs> but in reverse absolutely yeah. no so he ended up being great to work with he was curious he was open to my ideas um some of the things that i didn't know but i knew what my need was but i didn't know what solutions were available i could ask him questions i'd be like hey I need something that allows me to, whatever. What are our options for? Um, I wanted it to be aesthetically pleasing. Like I didn't want to feel like I had gone to this great effort and done this thing to create a place that I could be comfortable and feel like it was just full of things you would see in a hospital. Yeah, and that really does, one of my biggest things is really outside of functionality, it's a form. If you can match functionality and the form, then suddenly it's not for the disabled. Suddenly, right. suddenly it's just, oh, that's just what you, you 
want to include, just like mm -hmm. any interior design yeah. aspect, actually is really what inhibits the resale value. Really does. It doesn't blend in to the decor and what is typically seen in a house. And I think that's commendable. How did you, and a lot of people don't do that because it's a little extra money. If you want to make stuff look nice, that's what the perception is. is that you, you just that. triple the cost by making it, it aesthetically pleasing, matching functional form. Do you believe that? Was that your experience? It was not. Really interesting things. One of the aspects of the custom build that helped that um, for the custom build, basically I had a budget for different areas. Okay. So I had some flexibility where I could um, maybe go over my budget in one area a little bit and save some money in another space. Uh, I also found that uh, in addition to the flexibility within where I spent the money, a lot of the products that are designed for a disability are pretty costly. Yeah, even when they're not covered by insurance. That is the historical nature of it is that, oh, it's covered by insurance, so I have to go through all this medical review, but most things are not. They're not, yeah. Most things are not covered. Um, I found is that by being creative and trying to meet the need of a product, I really didn't have to spend a lot of extra money in that space. We're talking about the doors earlier. That was a perfect example, one where my elder said, he, he was like, you know, it's going to be a little bigger, cost a little more. He goes, I'm going to use a little less drywall because there's going to be more space. So he was very flexible and he was like, it's going to be a wash. Just things like that. A very enjoyable process as I started to go through it. There's a lot of apprehension up front. I've got to do this thing. I've got to accomplish this huge goal. How did you tackle that though? So why would you earlier say was that the additional cost for things being aesthetics pleasing is not necessarily that much more costly, particularly if you stay away things that are labeled for disabled because that's just a natural uptake. And sometimes mm -hmm. some things balance them out. Less drywall for a bigger mm -hmm. doorway. Uh, but how did you overcome the anxiety of all that and the planning? I think part of it was ensuring I spent a lot of time planning. Yeah. Uh, so I really, when I sat down with the floor plan, and I really envisioned myself walking into each space. Okay. Thinking about what I needed in that space. Uh, I thought a lot about the challenges that I had in my current environment. Overcome. I researched a lot about different products that were out there. And I talked to a lot of people too. Not just people that were building in that community that were um, not trying to do a universal design, but just some like, hey, what did you what do you wish you knew when you started building your house? Okay. okay. You know, and one of the things I heard is they said, put plugs everywhere. You need more outlets than you. I remember the sweet little lady telling me this. She's like, everywhere. And she was very emphatic. And when I thought about it, I thought, I probably have even more things that have to be plugged yeah. in. Right. Yeah. I was really cautious about, about that. Um, you know, I wanted drawer pulls for my kitchen drawers that were handles, not knobs, right? Because I don't want to grip. I picked out cabinets, but then I ended up looking on like eBay and purchasing a bunch of drawer pulls that were the right thing that I wanted and just to put them either horizontally on the door of the door. 
And I got them really cheap. Something that I loved, I thought was beautiful, and would make my life easy. It was constantly kind of throwing, trying to compare that and asking questions on that. Um, done, like you mentioned, I had built a custom home and then a little bit later have modified condo that was, like you said, I guess, barrier free maybe was the yeah. term. So it did have a wider bedroom door and a wider bedroom door, but really otherwise wasn't accessible. I did some things here also and where I'm living currently. Why did you switch from a house to a condo? I was moving to a different location. I needed to go back to grad school. I wanted to be close to my sister. It brought me down to Charleston, South Carolina. I was just looking for something that would work. Yeah. Something that in my price range. And that would, I found a place that wasn't a lot smaller than the home I had been in. And I was like, oh, look, this is doable. It would take little modification comparatively. Okay. Okay. So you found like a condo is requires less modifications if you bought a home and had to modify it. Would that be fair to say? Um, you were looking at homes back in the day and found like there was a lot that you had to modify. Yeah, and I think that, so I think it just depends, okay. right? It happened that this condo had a very open floor plan. Okay. Um, so all the spaces were kind of out really small doorways or those things. Okay. And maybe I could have found the same thing where I had been located before in a home or here in a home. I didn't at the time. and. Okay. I did. You know, you get yeah. what you get. Right? Right? Depends what's on the market. It really does. Now, let me ask you, how difficult was it to sell your home that was modified? Because another thing besides additional costs and just overwhelming is, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, if I do this, I will be able to resell it. Did you have challenges? And now a quick break from our sponsor. So as you can see and also hearing me, I am sitting on my back deck and I have my grill. I love being out in my back deck. I hate when I forget something and I have to wheel back into the house, particularly my cell phone. However, I'm excited to announce that another disabled owned business, Cush Pocket, has come up with a solution by creating this fabulous wheelchair bag. I love this bag and have been a Pounce customer since almost the very beginning. Why do I like it? One, it's huge. Two, it comes in multiple colors. But three, you can put it anywhere on the base of your wheelchair. How does that happen? It's attached to the flap and it has little, little Velcro. You put it directly underneath your cushion of your wheelchair. And the Velcro and the weight of your body ensures that this fabulous cushion pocket bag it certainly will not move. I personally have two directly in front of me and it hides behind my legs and I love that because it's so much more convenient. Trust me, you will never forget anything ever again. So as you can see down below, I have a direct link for Push Pocket. And if you use my code Angela Fox, you will get $1 off. And not only will you get a fabulous bag, but you'll also support two disabled owned businesses, Push Pocket and my business, Horizontal Houses. Check it out. Now. At first, when I put it on the market, it was, the market was a little slow. So once it did, I started getting some views. It was pretty competitive. I knew that 
the home that I built up was um, built to be aesthetically pleasing. There weren't a lot of things that would make you go, oh, this is a home for somebody that uses a wheelchair. Yeah. Yes, I had a roll under kitchen sink. That uh, was really evident. Roll under stovetop with a separate wall oven. Yes, that was a little bit different. Um, but those are probably changes that would be, you're really talking about cabinetry there. If they wanted to change that, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Also, I think we're in an age where a lot of people are looking for things where they're like, hey, I would like to age in place. Maybe I have nothing going on now, but if I find something that I feel like I can move into and stay here for the rest of my life, that's a pretty cool addition, really. Yeah. yeah. Was there any of the times of negotiations, right? You take the highest bid usually, and there's always like maybe an inspection and then some negotiations. Was there any request to remove some of those accessibility features when you were negotiating with the high, I call it the highest bidder? Yeah, no, uh, there actually weren't. It may have had to do something with uh, that. We did have, a, there were a couple of people looking at the home at the time. Uh, and so they may have felt like maybe we don't want to. Maybe they wanted it. But it didn't seem like a big deal, at least, right? It wasn't a hurdle. No, and we, even when the realtor was showing the home, we never got that feedback, for instance. But if you went into my bathroom, yes, you would see a roll under sink, right? Yeah. yeah. But it was a pretty a good sized space and put a stool there if you wanted for like a vanity area or something along those lines. The roll in shower was. I didn't have any handrails or anything in there because I didn't need them. Okay. I just didn't need them. But I did put blocking in the wall. If you wanted to add it, they could easily do that. Okay. Um, but it was, it's poured marble, I think is what they call it. It has a slightly sloped floor, but it looked like just a nice shower. That's great. That's great. That It wasn't a barrier as far as the resale. Uh it is, and I think that's an important thing for people to hear and to know because it can be scary to think about that. And I probably did have that in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah that would make sense. When you work with realtors, so my experience uh, when I was looking for homes was, uh -huh. I remember one experience where there was an accessible bathroom in mm -hmm. that it had bar hand bars and a lower toilet. When I showed up, <laughs> it wasn't there. I had to ask the realtor and they're like, Oh yeah, so I had advised my clients that we should remove it. And so I guess, what was your experience? We know what the end result was, but what mm -hmm. was your experience working with the realtor about that? Was there an initial, hey, we need to deal with this or no? No, and I don't know if I was just really fortunate. Okay. I didn't ask, so I didn't ask about it. The feedback I got from the realtor when she was, uh, was um, the typical things you would hear, right? Let's declutter, make it look neutral, so that anybody can envision themselves living here. Okay. Um, we did those things, and then we saw what happened. From any of the showings, I don't think I ever heard anything about that. But when you're working with a realtor to buy a home, um, oftentimes that realtor is going to be vocal. <laughs> yeah, share that feedback with you. So it turned out to be a nice process. That's great. That's really great because I know we just said it, but I think it's really important that people realize that if you do an aesthetically pleasing function and form, the house not only is more valuable because mm -hmm. more people can be accessible to it, 
but it doesn't affect the resale value. Mm-hmm. Uh, not any more than you always will get picky people. I love them. That's why I know. Because you look into maybe buying my second home and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to deal with this. No. You asked me 15 years ago, I'll be like, oh, that's great. But you also make another really good point, which is that what you know and think now isn't the same thing of what you will know and think 15 years from now. Right. Yeah. I think you have to give yourself enough grace when you're making modifications or you're building something that at some point, I'm not going to think everything here is perfect. And that's okay, right? After you get the really important things done, and then at some point, try not to worry about the rest. And that probably goes back to the anxiety thing too. That's excellent advice. I totally, you just got to focus, not maybe on everything, but focus on things that are your priority and give yourself grace. I think that's fabulous. So. When you were looking at condos, though, uh, sometimes there's a tendency in the realtor industry that if you say condo, what you're really meaning is 55 plus communities. Mm-hmm. Did you experience any of that? No, I'll tell you, I did a lot of my looking online first. Uh, I want to look at this, I want to look at that. Yeah. And my realtor did uh, provide options for me as well at that point in time. But they knew me pretty well. I think that relationship is probably really important. And I think you you should, I would hope that everybody would be open to kind of bring, hey, I'm not really interested in maybe a community that's 55 plus. I think that we should make sure, and I sometimes myself and also people that I know that have disabilities, one of the things I've learned is we get very accustomed to adapting to our surroundings and so we can sometimes just go oh i just am gonna deal with whatever but in any kind of situation where you're trying to create something a better space for yourself sharing that and what's important to you and being open about it and not shying away from the fact that i deserve this you deserve that we all deserve uh, to have a comfortable space to come to and recharge our batteries and all those things. No, that's an excellent point. I think we also have a tendency not just to deal with it, but to say, uh, I know I made the mistake initially, was I need a a wheelchair accessible home or disabled housing. And you went, what I'm hearing from you is that you did the research and you say, these are the things that I'm looking, that I might be interested in. And that kind of changes the narrative a little bit in that mm-hmm. you're taking more ownership, you took more ownership than I did by, by saying, this is what I've looked into and this is what I want to go see versus buying on a realtor like I did would be like, what you know what wheelchair housing Yes. And that's exactly what I initially did in, I call my interview of the realtors instead of just saying, hey, I want to go look at these and then cleaning maybe why. Yeah. So I think that's a much better approach and also kind of goes back to what you're saying is we shouldn't have to just deal with it we have to accommodate the rest of the world when we come home (laughs) i always like to say everything should be my size (laughs) yes i love that yes for that great so do you have any other final like tips or strategies for either buying building (laughs) because you've done both buying or building an accessible home 
Yeah, now I don't know if I have anything additional to say. Just to reiterate to, you know, make sure your voice is heard. Make sure it's part of, of what you need. Don't hesitate to ask questions because even if the answer is no, you'll get people's gears thinking about no, but what else could we do? Or something along those lines. I like uh, that. No, but. Yep. Yeah. And just be open to uh, being creative. Um, if something doesn't look like exactly what you need initially. Horizontalhouses.com is the hub for all things related to disability home ownership. You will find my blog, this podcast, my book, and how my consulting services can help real estate agents or housing developers market and tap into the largest minority group, the disability community. Please help me continue this exploration of disability home ownership by connecting through my Facebook page. Remember, sharing our collective experiences will allow us each to lower the kitchen sink but raise the bar for disability home ownership. Thank you.